The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. different tonight because we've got a rule on my other shows zoe you know this whoever yeah. brings the guest does the introduction yeah and i brought our other last two guests so it's your turn i brought this guest on so welcome to another episode of adventures in geek it is zoe and mike and joining us you may some of you parents may know her from the second season winner of King of the Nerds, which I have a great story to tell her about that. Um, I wasn't on the show, but I have a story about someone who was on the show with her. We'll get to that later. Huh? But one of the main reasons why I brought her on the show, what is it you are saying right now you want to be when you grow up? Either I want to do mission control or an animation. So. Well, this person, besides being the second season winner of King of the Nerds, works at NASA. Uh, currently a part of mission control on the mission control team has been involved with stuff with the international space station. Um, you've heard that, uh, two Mars project, Mm -hmm. the Mars project. She's, I believe she's involved with it. Uh, and the person I'm talking about is Kayla LaFrance. Hi, Kayla. Hi, thanks for having me on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, two years ago we did what? It was around this time, actually, two years ago. Oh, Star Celebration. Wait. No. Sorry. My f- around this time, we two did. Don't tell me. <laughs> two years ago. Two years ago. This is when the bug really hit with her. Ah, Kennedy, the bug. Kennedy Space oh, Center. That was two years ago? <laughs> that was two years ago. And we, I remember awesome. that like it was yesterday. And we <laughs> had lunch with an astronaut, thanks to Baba. Which that was a very cool experience. And our astronaut that we had lunch with was Sam Gamar, who was really, really cool. Yes. Yes. He's a very fun gentleman. And we had a really fun interview. Or actually, we had a very fun brunch with them. Um, I don't know. Maybe if, if we could get him on the show, we'll have to try and get him on the show. So you can ask them other questions, but you did ask them a question, right? Yeah, at I the think luncheon. So. Yeah, and then we did the uh, the astronaut 
thing with the with the badge, which those badges don't Ast- work as well. Astronaut <laughs> thingy. Oh, yeah, yeah, those badges sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but, the scanner, like you had, there was like those ball thing, and you had to like keep like sliding it across the scanner, and it would never hook upright. <laughs> like we had to do it like twenty times. So. <laughs> I've done my introduction. You get to start the interview. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So let's start with this one. What encouraged you to work for NASA? So I started out as the quintessential nerdy kid. Like, I'm talking three, four years old, and I wanted nothing to do with Barney and Sesame Street. I wanted to watch Jean Luc Picard. And James T. Kirk. And that kind of was the seed that was planted that got me really into all space and astronomy and NASA. And uh, I had a seventh grade teacher who noticed I was obsessive about Star Trek. And he kind of challenged me to learn about what was real and what wasn't real. What, you know, what do we really do? What's a star, you know, beyond what you learn in Star Trek and stuff. And it was that challenge. It was kind of that teacher who nudged me towards this. And he set me on this trajectory that, you know, here I am. Oh, my gosh. Well, over 20 years later. Oh, my God. Almost 25 years later. (laughs) Working at NASA and loving every moment of it. Wow, so you, you've been at NASA just a little bit longer than I've been at Disney. I'll, I, hit, I haven't been at NASA that long. <laughs> I, hit, I hit 23 years at Walt Disney World wow. in February. So sounds like our, our career paths started about the same time with the long-term career. Yeah, I mean, I was still had many years of school to go before I finally vectored into my job at NASA. But I definitely, I was about, it was about seventh grade when I, I put that foot down. I was like, this is what my life's going to be. And I'm going to dedicate every free moment I had to that. Yeah. When- that's when I started going to space camps and started to do astronomy as a kid. And, you know, every extracurricular, except for hockey, every extracurricular activity I did related to space. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna step in with a question that I've asked all our, of, the, all all of, of our, our guests, guests, the other two so far, um, and and I bring this question along as a as a parent who had my parent my parents kind of introduced me into my geek world. Okay. Who who was vital into introducing you in your family to the geekdoms that you're into now? No one. <laughs> um, my my parents have zero desire with Star Trek. My parents don't understand where I come from. <laughs> um, in a way, I'm, I'm a black sheep. Now, I did have an older sister who at the time when I was growing up was also into Star Trek. And uh, my little nephew has gotten into Star Trek as well. So maybe a little bit of kind of mimicking my older sister. Um, but we've never, we've always been very opposite and not very close. So, uh, but no, really, no one in my family is in engineering. No one in my family is in the field. They're all kind of the, just your amazing blue collar workers. You know, my parents had a greenhouse and flower shop growing up. Well, I can't cool. even keep a catnip plant alive. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I have such a black thumb, I kill plastic plants. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at succulents. I had one tomato plant that grew to the roof, but it only grew two tomatoes, but... Hey, it grew something. It grew something, yeah. There was... No, I, one day... I grow hair, and that's about it. One, <laughs> one day, I had the randomest thought, and I'm like, hmm... Yoda must be a very good gardener. Not only does he have a green thumb, his whole body's green. So he may he may be a good gardener. You never know. You don't see that in the movies. <laughs> nope. So uh, continue on. Yeah. Because you're driving the ship. Well, you kind of stole one of my questions. Thanks well, a lot. It, it's a question that you know. It's a question I ask. Is I know who who helped you on your geek journey, or how'd you get on that geek journey, yeah, that geek adventure? But the way she answered it, it stole my question <laughs> as my headphones fall off my face. Um, <laughs> this one's not really, it's more, it's more of a random out of the blue question. Ah, it's the best. <laughs> you can ask me anything you want. Come on. Which is better, the child or Grogu? I have never seen a single episode of The Mandalorian. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you I know, mean, but that's okay. I know. Because we're, we're not, we're not going to get into that debate, which is better, no. Star Trek or Star Wars. Star Trek. Don't, don't start that conversation with him. I, you will well, no. be, you will be with him for like forever. But no. <laughs> I, I, but th- this is this is where I. <laughs> I love this thing. Okay. I come from the generation where uh, I'm 50. I had Space 1999. I had Star Trek. Uh, I had the old Flash Gordon movie serials. Before Star Wars came around, so I I learned to appreciate all of it. All of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars came around. I knew it wasn't Star Trek. I knew it was totally different mm-hmm. type of science and and more science fiction than science fact that Star Trek yeah. has it's tended to get fantasy. Yeah, science fiction. Yeah, it has yeah. A very there we go. Like, there we yeah. go. Uh, even though there's been a lot of great. St- Mm-hmm. Developments out of Star Wars as well. Oh yeah, I I have I have no problems with either, and, and I've I embrace both. Uh, like out of the the, the generation, you know, next generation era, mm-hmm. um, I prefer Deep Space Nine over Voyager and and Next Generation. I mean, I I like mm-hmm. Next Generation. Uh, at the time, I was very anti-Voyager, but after watching them later, after watching them <laughs> later um, in the last few years on BBC yeah. America in the mornings, um, I've had a greater appreciation of the show. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have been as down as I was, but I didn't get into the show until like second or third season. It, it was a little rough starting out, but I yeah. think that's been a problem with a lot of the Star Treks. But yes. No, I, I appreciate all of the different forms of science fiction that are out there. I think almost everyone can agree Firefly is amazing. Firefly was amazing. <laughs> um, but I have, I have for me personally, that. yeah, we'll I, Star Wars, I've watched all the movies. I've, I've, I just, I don't have that draw to it like there, I did with Star Trek. There's and kind that's of, just 
There's kind of a funny story with yeah, Star yeah. Wars. So I was like 12 hours old. I was on his chest watching mm-hmm. Star Wars. Ah, because there was incorporated it very early on. <laughs> there was a Clone Wars episode that came out on my birthday, so we were watching it. Well, and I try and expose her to to Star Trek as well because yeah. I want her to have the same appreciation of, of that franchise as, along mm-hmm. with Star Wars. And, and for her, it, it's a little more difficult for her to get into. Um, yeah, but it's you know the more exposure she'll the more she'll either like it more or 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 just it's not it, your cup of tea. Not your cup of tea. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Deep Space Nine has usually been my least favorite. Um, I I, Voyager, though, has always been the favorite. I was nine when Voyager came out and the female captain and, like, you know, the very first episode, she's getting up in Jacote's face and, you know, she's being respected for being the captain and for being the brain because, you know, she was a very intelligent, science-minded captain and I just, I, I loved that. And as a nine-year-old, I don't think I understood why, but I knew that that meant something to me. Now that I watch it as a, an adult and it's, it's, it's amazing. I was so lucky to grow up with that influence. Maybe that's when I need to do is start you off on Voyager. Let you watch <laughs> Voyager. Voyager is a good one. There's a funny thing to uh-huh. where, like, I think the geekiest thing I've ever done, okay. I was in the first grade. All right. So I was probably like maybe no more than six. Um, and there was a kid that came like I was talking about random Star Wars things just like off of my head. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm bored. It's recess. I'm just going to ramble on about Star, Star Wars. <laughs> That's what I did about Star Trek. <laughs> and then this kid. There's a there was a kid in my class that said girls can't like Star Wars, oh. <laughs> so I I I'm like okay let's do a challenge, name five non main characters. He named like stormtroopers, Darth Vader, Luke, Leia. Those are all main characters. And like we were talking about like the episodes, so I'm like okay. Ahsoka Tano, a loath cat, a bansa, like, I ramble on, and I think I go more than five. And then <laughs> every time a new student came in with, like, a Star Wars backpack, and they're like, oh, I know the best of Star Wars, literally half of them point to me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, on the opposite end, I pick her up from school, and I hear, Daddy, I had, I had to put a boy in this place about Star Wars. Good job. Like, good for you. Good job. I've had to do that a few times with different subjects. But yeah. So, what other questions you got? Yeah. Because that second question we touched on, but not really. Trying to figure out which one's a good question. Okay. What was your one of your favorite things that you've worked on at NASA? Ooh, one of my favorite things I've worked on at NASA. So, um, let's see. As an intern, one of my top, I have like two things I'll mention. One of my favorite things as an intern, 
I went to NASA Ames, which is in California, and I was in, I have no chemistry background, but I got put in the biochemistry lab that was sponsored by SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. And this lab was taking the data that had just come back from Mars from um, the Pathfinder, uh, not the, the Pathfinder, Phoenix, excuse me, the, the Phoenix lander. And they were basically t- using this data that just came back from this uh, Phoenix lander. And we were trying to develop a new tool to send back to Mars on an, the next lander that would be even more fine tuned and get better readings. And so for me, just to work with data that had come straight from Mars, being someone who was really into the Mars program, you know, that was really cool. And uh, I'm not currently working with any of the Mars programs right now, uh, but I do hope to be a part of the program when we send humans to Mars in the future. Very cool. So that, yeah. No. And then the other one I'd have to say, which is more recent, working in Mission Control, um, when I was in ISO, that is a person in Mission Control that's in charge of inventory and stowage. Um, I was the lead ISO for a flight of one of the Cygnus vehicles. And a few weeks before launch, I got to go down into NASA Wallops and go into the vehicle as they were packing it so that I could see the layout of everything that was packed and see how things operated. Because I have to tell the astronauts how to unpack it and where to put everything. So the best way for me to know is to be in there. So I'm bunny suited out. You know, hair is completely covered. Feet, legs, everything, multi-layers of a bunny suit. You're going into the, you know, you're getting cleaned off before you go into it. It was so cool. And, of course, I got, like, the selfie of me in a bunny suit in front of this vehicle, which two weeks later, I'm watching astronauts grab it with the arm of the space station. And that that was a pretty cool moment to be able to have that connection. You understand what a bunny suit is? You have an idea from her description? It's, you know, when you see the pictures of... um, the specialist on the ground. I know with the big blue suit thing. No, it's the yep. big, big blue. And some are big blue, white. Some are white. Yep, yep, yep. They're clean suits. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I saw the clean environment when we were watching the launch. When I believe it was Bob and Doug went up, I mm-hmm. saw on the TV. I saw like a whole bunch of people with them putting loading mm-hmm. the ship. Yep. Yep. But those are a different type of bunny suits. But it's still the same principle of just trying to stay clean, trying to keep the environment safe for the astronauts and not putting debris and FOD, foreign object debris, into space. Cool. Now, since we're talking to you on Skype, seeing a lot of patches (laughs) on the wall, are those different missions that you've been directly involved with? Uh, Yes, actually they are. Um, Every mission that I've ever been a part of, I have going along the top of my ceiling. Oh, wow. Uh, So you can't see those ones. But uh, the ones directly behind me, um, I've been, of course, I told you uh, the vehicle that I got to go inside of, the Cygnus one. That would be the OA-9 mission, the ninth Cygnus vehicle. And then the patch above that is from Increment 57. So every time we have a new set of crew, we call them increments or expeditions. And uh, the 57th mission to the ISS was one where I, again, for my team, was the head of that. And so I got to work with the astronauts, do their training for the astronauts. So I got to work really closely with those handful of astronauts, and I was directly supporting them in their their mission. So that's 
that's where that patch comes from. And I I have a patch that's close to me, um, and I also have come find out it's a pin that was only okay. given to friends and family um, of the failed Challenger flight. Because my science teacher in Pine Bush, New York, was Kristen McCullough's backup. If she was, uh, no, it's the mail, the mail backup. Okay, okay. And I don't recall the name then. I don't. It was so long ago for me. That's over thirty years ago. So I don't remember either. Uh, And I moved around a lot. And her mom's from the military background. We moved more times than her. Her family. Oh wow. but it was a pen that um, I got from him oh, wow. that Krista has sent a bunch to Barbara and to, to him. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. So I have that mission patch uh, because of her and knowing that could have been yeah. my teacher. And, and it was such a historic day in the wrong mm-hmm. way um, to to have that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and that's part of the reason why now, Zoe, my personalized plate on my car is the Challenger Columbia Memorial Plate for Florida. Oh, nice. And it has my, my personalized plate um, is a reference to a nickname of Chewbacca. <laughs> also, so, also known as Fuzzball. Ah, OK. So, um, nice. but you have one of Sam's patches. Yeah. Yeah, and you also have the NASA, is it the meatball or the worm logo? The meatball patch. I personally prefer meatball. I like the meatball, too. I like the worm ball. (laughs) The worm's cool, but the meatball is probably my my favorite. There's another one that you really only see on, like, their stationery, and it's on our flag that really has that 1955, 58 feel to it. Yeah, it's the one that has the actual planet with the chevron around the planet. Like, you'd have to pull it up to see it, but that one is my absolute favorite. But you don't find that one on patches or a lot of clothing. It's more the professional administration type um, seal. I like the the worm ball, Mm -hmm. whereas the the meatball with the – with the warm yeah. logo. I, I think that's a nice melding of the two. Yeah. Um, Don't know if that's an official NASA one. I know what you're talking about. Uh, I, I know SpaceX had, had used it or was showing it and they, they has, it's like, everyone's been pitching this warm ball idea. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. You, you want Gogurt. I want Gogurt. Um, then uh, we have seen two, um, Patches for the labs that have gone up. Uh, one was the the Guardians of the Galaxy with Groot, Groot, which okay. was looked really cool. And then there was another I one. Remember which payload that was? Uh, it was a lab, you know, labs three or labs four. Okay. Um, I forgot what the name of the labs company was. And then the other one is the one that looks like the Falcon. Oh, Star yeah, Wars I, thing. yeah, I definitely recognize that one. The Guardians one was the year was the flight before, I believe. And I've been waiting for one that Star Trek with the labs. I was waiting for a Star Trek one. Yeah, I mean, being a government agency, um, just like we have a lot of influences from the military. So every division has logos. Every group has logos. And 
especially when you're inside and you see all of our individual patches right. and stuff. Oh my Lord. You will see loads of Star Trek. Ones. <laughs> um, I want to say it is our safety program. Cause you know, we have to, uh, internal like onsite right, right. safety. <laughs> that logo is completely ripped from the Starfleet uh, control logo. Okay. And yeah, we have several ash, uh, flight, con- uh, flight directors who, one even had Michael um, Akuda, who does all the logos for Star Trek, yeah. make his patch as a flight director and he's Enterprise Flight. So it definitely oh, looks like cool. something right before Enterprise okay. the show would have been. So not quite like modern golden era Star Trek, but, you know, the early era Star Trek. And it's so cool that you know, so, some- Mike made it. Something that would have been there after uh, First Contact. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Or, you know, April or whatever. But it was, uh, we also have one that's Defiant Flight, and he has the Defiant on his. And so, no, you will find loads of Star Trek and Star Wars references all over the place. Um, as nerds and as NASA, we love acronyms. <laughs> so um, we forced acronyms. We'll come up with the weirdest names just to make an acronym work. And so we have Thor, we have Spock, we have uh, <laughs> Ethos has back rooms that they have two back rooms. One is Star and one is Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, you, you will find that stuff just sprinkled all over. We have programs that are called Jedi, just so that we can have Jedi in there. Yeah. Oh, cool. We are so nerdy at NASA. <laughs> so now's a good time to ask that second question. What? Your what dumbest question. Mommy, she already answered. No, she, she touched on it, but didn't answer it. If you're not going to ask it, I will. Well, now I'm curious. What's the question? So, now she wants to hear the question. What geekdoms are you most interested in? Oh, gosh. Definitely Star Trek. And also, there's a reason why a lot of my friends will call my house the Batcave. I have a lot um, of Batman memorabilia. I collect Batman action figures. I have a lot of Batman action figures. I have commissioned artwork by Batman, uh, by Batman artists, uh, Neil Adams. Neil Adams, Neil Adams is my absolute favorite. And that was when I won King of the Nerds. I had made a deal with my mom. I would do mature adult things with the money. But I said, (laughs) I can do one thing, and you're not allowed to ask how much it's going to (laughs) cost. And that was going all out on a commission drawing oh, from Neil Adams. Awesome. Oh my God. I treasure that thing. It's the first thing that gets packed when I have to evacuate for a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. um, so Batman and Star Trek, definitely. But I'm the personality that will take any love or obsession to the geeky level. So hockey, I, I, I cosplay hockey. If I go to a hockey game, I'm in every color of the national predators. You can imagine when I'm, you know, going to car shows, I'm obsessive about the facts of cars. So I'm just, I can't deny it. I'm nerdy about everything. I take it to that obsession level. <laughs> so I bet you she, she just answered one of your next questions. Oh, no, that? not really, because she didn't state it. That wasn't okay. that. It was something else. It was just her interest. It wasn't that. Well, then, then ask it. What's yeah. your favorite hockey team? I, well... 
Should just gotta say my beer league team <laughs> but no my favorite hockey team is the nashville predators i lived in nashville for seven years when i moved down there i swore to god i would never get into southern hockey i got converted <laughs> I, same yes, way. I, see same way. Yep, I see that um you know i'm from washington state so i'm from the great north you know the pacific uh the white pacific northwest and we'll, we'll, i grew up Will you also be adopting the Kraken as a team? Mm. Um, <laughs> hey, it's okay to do both. I really did not like the name uh, because, uh, yeah, I, I want to be careful how I say things with your daughter here, but the nicknames that the other teams are going to call us because of Kraken. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, we always joke about you go to the shark tank or you go to the pond with the ducks. What are they going to call the place where the Kraken play? The crack house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. I just, oh, no, well, I just. I, I kind of, when I heard Jerry Brockheimer was one of the owners of the team, I'm like, if this is not the Kraken because of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. I don't know. So I, I'd be shocked if it's if it's something else. You know, well, I was the diehard. I wanted to go back to our roots, and our roots were in 1917. The Millionaires. Seattle had a team called the Metropolitans. That's right. And they millionaires won the Stanley Vancouver. Cup that year. And you know how much grief they give teams that you know 50 years to get their first Stanley Cup. They could have instantly came back as the Mets and been like, "Boom! We had the Stanley Cup before you guys even existed." Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yep. But okay. uh, I, yeah. I can't not notice it anymore. Your Hamilton jacket. <laughs> yep, Hamilton. I love Broadway. Another thing that I'm very obsessive about. <laughs> She's very obsessive right now with Hamilton. Yes, it's a good show. I know the comp- I know every single lyric to Skylar Sisters from the original nice. cast. And then nice. she loves the show so much, she ended up getting a couple books based on oh, uh, nice. people from the show so she could learn more about it. Awesome. Yes, that is awesome. It is a very, it's a good show. I got my, I had my nephew listen to it because I knew he was a fan of like Greatest Showman. So I was trying oh. to bring him a little bit more into the Broadway because I can listen to hours of Broadway shows regardless of if it's Hamilton and Lin-Manuel Miranda. It could be anything Broadway. And I I did drama and stuff in high school, so I performed a few shows, and I just, I love it, and it's such a great show that my mom, I didn't think would like it, being, she's old school, you know, didn't think she'd like it with the rap and stuff, but she's like, oh, we're watching that tomorrow night. Yes! Because <laughs> uh, I watched a Hamilton video, and in, I forgot the name of the song, but in the song Lafayette sings, mm-hmm. he's saying nine words per second. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they're crazy fast, and it's definitely one of the harder roles on Broadway right now is to be able to perform. My, so. I started off in theater. Um, oh, okay. Fantastic. At, at Carnegie Mellon. Oh, wow. And which, uh, was it Resnick has a, a hall named after her? Um, was it yes. Ellen? Yeah. Resnick, yes. Yeah, because she went to Carnegie. Yep. Um, and she was one of the ones who passed away in the Challenger, yeah. mm-hmm. the Challenger incident. Yep, she was uh, one of the original seven. Yeah, okay. you keep yeah, mentioning, you keep mentioning yeah. it, and I haven't heard it. So, what was the Challenger incident? The Challenger. Oh. <laughs> so, I'll take this one. So, sure. 
There's been accidents that have happened in traveling into space, and one of them was a space shuttle that was called the Challenger. And uh, this was, you know, I was just a baby. and I uh, was a freshman in high school. Yeah. Um, basically, everybody was really excited for the mission because it was very publicized that a teacher was going to go into space. First of all. Uh, not a career astronaut. This would be the first time somebody who wasn't actually like a career astronaut was going to fly into space. And um, during the launch, NASA did some of the things that maybe they made the wrong call on a certain a few things. And it led to the, the shuttle actually blowing up during launch. And we lost all crew members. And uh, it is something that every year NASA reminds ourselves of what we did and what happened. And we have a whole week of um, memorial for the different crews because it just so happens that of the three crews we lost, it was, uh, what, January 26th? 27 yep. and February 1st, or was it 27, 28? But yeah. all happened to be that same like week. And because uh, the, the first incident was uh, Apollo one. one. Yep, that was a fire that was in the capsule because the and that led to the explosive hatch for mm-hmm. escape in case something happened. Yep, um, to go out, not in. The challenger was two, mm-hmm. and then um. Columbia. Columbia, uh, which that was 2000. 2002. 2002. Okay. I couldn't remember if you were born yet or not. And you weren't. 2002. And we were actually listening to it on the radio. Oh, it might have been 03. It was 03. It was February of 03. Uh, it was my senior year of high school. We were listening to it on the radio because with us being near Kennedy Space Center, mm-hmm. of course, the shuttle returns are always and shuttle launches. Well, just like now, rocket launches. Local yeah. news will stop a national news broadcast to show the launches, right? Mm-hmm. And we go out into the backyard and we watch the launches. As we get a real from our backyard, we get an amazing view from the Kennedy Ooh. Space Center Wait, here in if Florida. The skies are clear. Nice. And nice. Uh, the uh, so we're listening because with the shuttle when they came home. There'd be sonic booms. Yeah. You know, sort of like now with SpaceX, with their booster rockets, sometimes we hear the booms, sometimes we don't. Mm -hmm. Well, with the shuttle, because of the way it came in and came over us, we heard the booms. So we always knew. So we heard shuttle, you know, we're slowly listening on, you know, we're half awake listening to the radio Mm -hmm. and we hear shuttles making their approach and they're about to enter the, the, the window of silence because there's about three to six minutes where there's communications blackout mm-hmm. because of the atmosphere and everything else and reentry. And usually after that is when we hear the booms if they're mm-hmm. coming into Kennedy because at this point in time they're over Texas when they come through. They're, we're at seven minutes and we hear that's going, uh, uh, is y'all's call signs? Um, spacecraft and or call um, callee caller because I know at work when we do something it'll be tech mm-hmm. tech whatever from like if you're say tech 10 and I was tech 11 yeah. it'd be tech 10 tech 11 yeah and that's how it'd be if you were flight I would be flight ISO so who I'm talking okay. to who's talking so there's that communication mm-hmm. shuttle mission yeah. control Columbia, Just, Houston. Columbia Houston Columbia Houston and there was nothing mm-hmm. 
And then it's time for the sonic boom, and there was nothing. And then all of a sudden, we're hearing over the radio the chase planes that usually helped track it in Mm -hmm. say, uh, we're noticing debris falling out of the sky. And there was a failure in the heat shield. Now, you've seen, was it Atlantis at Kennedy? Was that the Atlantis that's there? You know, all that black, that's the heat shield. Mm-hmm. Well, there were panels missing, lots of panels missing, and it weakened the bottom of it, and it caused it to overheat and explode it on its way in. Yep. So that's what happened with that one. Yeah, I was watching that one really closely because uh, Mike Anderson was from Cheney, Washington, which is, you know, about 40 yeah. minutes away from Spokane, Washington, and he called that area home. So this was like our first astronaut from home, and I was really watching it and stuff, and I was, the night before they were supposed to land, I had been in the locker room after playing hockey with someone who knew him. And they're like, oh, "Oh, he's going to be in town in a few weeks, I'm going to make sure that, you know, you're going to meet him and everything, so I'm just so excited about this. And then I remember at 6.30 Pacific time, someone calls me and is like, hey, they can't find their, they lost contact with the space shuttle. And I knew they were landing that morning. And I'm just like, eh, it happens every launch or landing. Don't worry about it. I went back to sleep because, you know, I'm thinking yep. that's, you know, blackout Damn. six minutes. It'll come back. No big deal. And my mom comes in a little later and is like, uh, no, that's not what's going on. And yeah, that was, that was a bad day. Believe it or not. I went, I went to his funeral that year. They they found parts of the space shuttle Mm -hmm. up in Shreveport, Louisiana, where where mommy and I, that area where mommy and I moved here from. So figure that far up, Mm -hmm. it spread almost all over Texas and parts Mm -hmm. of northern Louisiana. It's a lot, huh? So... We learn from our mistakes and we work to better them, and we try not to make the same mistakes twice. And that's why every year we remind ourselves of these events and yeah. remember the fallen and try, try and vow to never let it happen again. Yep. So. Um, All right. Let's see. I know. Did, yeah. you, did you have any, I'm not going to say role models because that should be apparent. Uh, I'm not going to say, well, I can say mentor because you, you did an internship. Um, did you have a, a mentor that really encouraged you to continue on with this, or with your career in NASA? Um, you know, once I kind of decided this is what I wanted to do, I've laser focus. I'm a nerd. Remember, I get obsessive and laser focus about things I like. So I, I don't think there's anyone who could have encouraged it more or discouraged it because I was focused. But I've had amazing teachers. Uh, I had a math professor. I struggle with math. Sweetie, if you want to get into this and you're not good at math, just don't worry about it. I flunked Calc 1 twice. I got a worse grade the second time than the first time. Does that make you feel a little better? Yeah. She looked. She she loved math up until this year, and then she said this year it's a struggle, but you yeah, still love science. get into algebra. Algebra sixth grade in Florida. Okay, so that's next year for you. Yeah. We're, we're doing um, multiplying, dividing, adding, and subtracting the different, like, fractions and decibels. Uh, fractions. Ugh. That's where you have yeah. laptops for. <laughs> fractions is when we can... Fractions yeah. is when we get back. We've already done multiple... 
adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing decimals. Yeah. Well, I had a math teacher who, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. I want this. And in order to get the degree I needed, I needed a minor in math. That is a lot of math classes. And this professor, she was able to see why I wasn't seeing it the way that most people teach it. Because I just visually, I looked at it, I saw it differently. And so after every class, I then would go to her office hour and she'd basically reteach the class in Kayla speak. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh, this is what's going on here. And all it took was just not giving up and keep asking and working and to find that right person who could help me. And then it made it a little bit easier. And she was also the teacher who, once I got through calculus, she was like, you need so many more math classes. Trust me and do these three classes. And those three classes were based on more of a geometry and more of a visual math. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, math isn't that bad now. Memorizing rules and algebra and calculus, I didn't do well with. But I could do with matrices. And you kind of, so. and you kind of got that with Miss Nieves now, right? Mm-hmm. If she sees that you're not grasping it one way, she's teaching you a different way to help you get it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so. that's the big thing is being able to just make, follow your passion because that's more important than what the grade is telling you or what anything's telling you. Because I knew this was where I belonged. I knew this is what I wanted to do. I was going to make it bend to my will if I had to. And so for me, it's been teachers who have been able to help me do that and to say, not try and say, oh, you just don't get it. Give up already. But who are like, okay, let's see if we try it this way. Let's see. And I can relate because when I was at Carnegie Mellon, remember I had that ankle surgery on my winter break. When I went back, I had so much physical therapy. Mm -hmm. I missed a lot of classes. So I decided instead of failing the semester, I took a medical leave, but I was told by my department that when I come back, they weren't going to let me back in the department for fine arts to become a tech. I needed to go somewhere else. (laughs) I'm like, Mm -hmm. I used a couple words that I shouldn't have used, (laughs) but I was that angry. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to make it in this business and I'm going to be successful. And Mm -hmm. I've been, I've been doing entertain. I had done entertainment before I went to college and I'm hitting what, 34, 35 years as a professional and almost 23 years at Disney. Um, I think I, I think I've made a good career. Yeah. It's pretty darn rewarding when you finally get there. It it feels pretty darn amazing to, to be a part of it. Now I'm not going to say idol because again, an idol is like a role model should be your parents. Is Mm -hmm. there an inspiration, someone who inspired you to go into the space field? Um, Of course, Janeway. Uh, Janeway is always usually one of the first ones I say, and I've had the chance to speak with Kate McGrew about it. And stuff. Oh, that's cool. I, I, my, I'm one of my, my cats are Janeway, Seven, Kess, and Seska. So Sounds like, a, all, like all Voyager, like Voyager characters. Yep. Janeway is, is my, one of my main heroes, but then I've always idolized Gene Kranz, who was a flight director during Apollo 11, who was the flight director that brought the Apollo 13 crew home. Uh, I believe it was kind of getting in, reading all of those books about the the guys in the mission control during Apollo that really took me from being that teenager that wanted to be an astronaut to being like, 
yeah, 18,000 people apply for four positions. I'm going to go tell the astronauts what to do instead. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to work in mission control and my just Gene Kranz has definitely been one of those people that I read his book almost every year and just analyze lectures that he's given and things that he's teach taught mission controllers that I want to do as a mission controller and um, also Von Braun and how he handled himself with getting the 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 merging because you know Von Braun was kind of pre-NASA right when they're turning NASA but you you would know his days with Disney his relationship with Disney I've always been fascinated by that and that he was one of the first science communicators yep. who t- took this, you know, high, highly sophisticated rocketry and was like, here, this is how you get the public involved. If you get the public involved, you get the funding, you get the funding, you do the cool top things. And if, so I've also really liked reading and learning about that. If I remember right, Von Braun. Mm-hmm. So you may know from the movie Hidden Figures. So yes. I believe he is in that. He's the German. Mm-hmm. That works with, um, oh, I can't think of her name. It's one of the ones that we want to do the. Uh, um, I think so. Which she just had. Vaughn Braun, I believe we see in the movie, but he doesn't play a super big role in it. Because he was down in Huntsville and she was at Langley. Right, but I thought he came up to Langley mm-hmm. briefly to talk about the capsule and was working with the, the one gal who did not have a degree yet, but kept per, yeah, oh, but push yeah. her to be, get her degree. Yeah, it's interesting I because think. the characters are real, but if you've read the book, they've kind of melded several different things together yeah. into each character. So it is not quite a true telling of the stories, but... When yeah, Von Braun definitely was involved in all of those early yep. days. And- when I watched um, Hidden Figures in mm-hmm. one of the scenes from The Big Bang Theory, Sheldon played a character. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. Th- nope, this is Sheldon. This is not the. This is oh, not yes. that person. That's all I can see. Now, since we're talking Hidden Figures, you want to tell her about our idea that we're going to work on to submit to Lego Ideas? Okay. So they've already made a Women's of Space. Women of NASA. Women of NASA um, Lego kit, which I got for my birthday one year. I built it, and then I'm like, well, there's obviously more than just these four that they give us. So we have an idea that's like six more characters. Ooh, that'll be well, awesome. Not, not and, characters, and I was wrong about Sally Ride that went to Is it Ride that has... The, yes. Okay. Resnick is tied in here. Okay. So, one of the one of the characters we want to do is mm-hmm. Ellen Resnick, first shuttle commander. Yes. Who also... Collins. I think Ellen Collins. Collins. Yes. Okay. I know it's Eileen. Yeah, Collins. She went to my high school. Oh, wow. Many years before I, I went there, but she's uh, an alumni in my high school. So we're doing her, and then that's one, and then we're doing um, the the female who's up on Dragon One now oh, with Shannon SpaceX, Walker. Shannon Walker, and then the main piece is the three featured in Hidden Figures. Nice. So That'll be nice. to bring them to the forefront. Because mm-hmm. there is some amazing, fantastic women out there that uh, I've had a great privilege of working with. And 
Um, we have our first um, female lead of the flight directors right now. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah. So it, it's it's just awesome to work with all these people. I'm very okay. lucky. That's the sixth person we could add to the set. The first female flight director. How about that? So we, we thank Kayla for that inspiration <laughs> to add her. That'd be cool. So any other questions you got? Um, no, no. Oh, I want to tell you the answer to the question I asked about the child or Grogu. Okay. The answer is none. Baby Yoda. No, the answer is none because they're the same person, or in this case, creature. Now, well, why don't you ask her the question about King of the Nerds? Oh. Because that's important, like too. What inspired yeah. you to build your robot um, on the way you did? Uh, so... We had, of course, for those who don't know, on King of the Nerds, one of the challenge was called Robot Dodgeball. And we had to build ro- these little robots that we drove around while the other team was trying to throw at it. And uh, <laughs> which is comical because hardly not a lot of us nerds were very physical <laughs> creatures. So that was great. But anyways, I did mine to look like um, a Mars rover. And so, um, because we had to stay within this square design, it kind of had the body of a, a Pathfinder, but because we also had to have this large, tall mast, then I have like the, basically the panoramic cameras of yeah. the, uh, uh, spirit and opportunity. So it was kind of a mix between the two, but yeah, my whole entire thing was designed to look like a Mars rubber because <laughs> I mean, that's me, the on Mars girl. I, my, my big dream is to be a part of Mars. Now, I was going to say I had an interesting story to go with. Yeah. Your t- we, uh, before my current co-host, which you'll eventually meet later in uh, next year, okay. um, we actually had um, Curtis Armstrong on the show. Oh, fantastic. I love and, my pop nerd. <laughs> I love Curtis. Oh, I, I would he lo- is such a doll. Yeah. I would love to get Robert on the show, but I know he's off the grid for a lot of things and it's difficult to get a hold of. But mm-hmm. Curtis, Curtis was really fun. And he, oh, yeah. now, when I was watching the show, mm-hmm. I saw it more as y'all were more geeks than nerds. So I guess my question is which do you prefer or do you see them as the same geeks or nerds? I really kind of see them as the same thing. Okay. I mean, what what's different between a Trekkie or a Trekker other than um, an emotional response, really? It's just what you prefer to be called. Um, I prefer nerd, but okay. um, I mean, yeah, we're not like the the group, you know, there were definitely maybe more nerdy, quintessential, like follow the stereotype nerdy people, but those also aren't the people that are going to show up to be on national television for a TV show. Okay. So, you know, yeah, you're going to have more of the, the A personalities like myself who, yes, I'm, I can be very nerdy. I can tell you so many random facts like Sheldon that you're going to get annoyed with me. But I'm also going to be more outgoing and more like that. So it, it's a fine, fine line because if you did have a group of just Sheldon's, nobody's going to want to watch right. it. Those guys aren't going to participate and go out there and do it. So right. it, it's, yeah. Okay. But I like nerd. I, I'm, I, I throw around that I'm king of the nerd quite proudly. It was one I, of the best experiences of my life. And oh, it was an amazing experience. I, 
I say keep throwing that around because um, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's well earned. Um, now, with my shows, I use geeks instead of mm-hmm. nerds because um, trying to encompass pop culture. I mean, mm-hmm. even, even with the two of us, um, to me, it's relating the, to pop culture is more geek than nerd. I can see that. Um, even though I could be very nerdy about Star Wars, I could be very nerdy yeah. about hockey as well and um, mm-hmm. other things. I think the rela- I, I think depending on geek fits better, feels better when discussing pop culture topics than the nerd. Yeah, I can see that because I know nerd definitely has a, the connotation with it that there's a, a strong ac- <clears throat> excuse me a strong academic side. Yeah. And you don't need a strong academic side to, you know, gush over Firefly, Stargate, you know, Marvel movies and to nitpick them or anything like that. Even sports. Uh, Oh, oh my gosh. There's sports nerds, sports geeks. It's all anymore. They have meld into into. Yeah. I, I got some grief for that because I was definitely, if you watch the show, I talked about being a hockey player. I talked about that. And let me tell you, there is no difference. None. I don't care who argues what. There is no difference between when I go to Dragon Con dressed head to toe as Batgirl versus I go to the Winter Classic dressed head to toe in the Predator gear. The feeling is same. The emotions the same. The rush of adrenaline is the same. All the other people around me who are also either in Batman costumes or in Predator outfits, it is the same. We are all there to worship the same thing at the same dorky, geeky, nerdy level of insanity. (laughs) Do you have any other questions? So I want to make sure you get all your questions in before I ask one more question. Nope, my questions are. You got everything in? Mm-hmm. Of yes. Batman. The whole Batman character realm. Who is your favorite character? Favorite character of all of Batman? Um, I really would have to go with. With Batman. I mean, I know that sounds so cliche. I know that's close. But yet so far. Correct answer is the Riddler. Joking. I'm a huge Riddler fan. I love the Riddler. And he's great. And but for me, I I always liked with Batman. Of course, I started with Batman animated series. Kevin Conroy is the boy. He's the man. He is Batman. Um, and of course, Mark Hamill is the Joker. But for me, I always, I've always loved that it has to do with one person who makes a decision and he dedicates everything to it. Yeah. And being someone who literally from the time I was, you know, in seventh grade, I've dedicated everything to one dream, one goal. And I love that parallel that I feel like I have with that character. Yes, he's bettering himself to fight uh, villains, but I'm trying to better myself to be to support crew missions. And where Batman's having to figure out all the different alternatives between, well, if this guy does this motion, then I need to do this. And, you know, how do you counteract all these different villains? I have to do that with every possible contingency of what could happen to a space station. So that's why I feel like I love Batman the most. Um, I'll pose this question. Okay. Because we've talked about this on Weeby Geeks. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there's been live action. We're not talking animated, but live action. There's been three different Jokers, Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. Heath Ledger. Yeah, we're not including Leto. No, no. Thank you. Yeah. I don't include any of the, the only, the only Zack Snyder Batman related person I'll take is Ben Affleck because I did not mind his I did not mind his Batman. He surprised me. I was one of those anti-Batlack persons, but he he had a very Dark Knight Returns-esque vibe to his character. Oh, yeah. Frank Um, Miller style, yeah. So of the the three, can you see any of them in any of the other franchises, or do you feel they're stuck where they're at? Hmm, I'm trying to understand your question. Are you talking about like Cesar Ramon coming into Nolanverse or could could you take Cesar Romero and put him in um, the, the, the Keaton, the Keaton Clooney Kilmer verse or or in the Nolanverse because it's more camp, but I couldn't see the (laughs) mustache painted underneath his uh, white face paint. I I mean, I couldn't see him in Nolanverse. Because uh, Nolanverse is such psychologically, it's different. It's right. such a different type of universe. It, it is, has a more seriousness that the other ones that still had that comic book, that camp to them had. And I love both of them for both those reasons now, separately. But. Jack Nicholson, hmm. his Joker. I, and this is this is assuming right that on the threshold, he could definitely become a little bit more camp and fit in just great with Adam West, or he he definitely could become a little bit more psychotic and go into, you okay. know, that Nolan verse. Think about that. He definitely, we, but I don't see Heath Ledger's Joker coming down yeah. into the others. We said with he, we said with Joker's that they couldn't move; they were pretty much yeah. stuck with where they're at. Now Riddler. Well, what wait. do you think about? What do you think about Joker, the movie Joker? Um, mm. Be honest yeah, with you, is- I still haven't gotten to it. And it <gasps> I, I've been oh, so busy with other things. It's on my list, but when I when I want to, she's been awake and it, it's yeah, not I understand that it is not for, no. Now, Riddler. No, he's camping no matter where he is. <laughs> could, could Frank Gorshin go across the three? Yes. Been in the 66 verse. Could he go into. He probably would have done a better job than Carrie did. So, yeah. Carrie, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't think Carrie was bad, um, but just typical Jim Carrey. Yeah. But but I did see Frank Gorshin potentially doing the role if he mm-hmm. was still alive and was doing it at the age he was in 66. Yeah. If he was that age now. He could have made a heck of a Riddler in the Nolan verse too. Yes, because he had just enough seriousness. Like he he wasn't over campy for what the Riddler is, and for for sixty six Batman, he didn't have as much camp as even seeing Harry's Riddler in in the eighty nines. Yeah. Well, I'll leave I'll leave the others for if we play this again <laughs> over on, on Weeby Geeks because I think we also touched on uh, Penguin and uh, okay. Hmm. And I That's think interesting. Two-Face. I've never really thought of that question. I've never really because well, this, this to turn. me they're bubble universes and they do yeah. represent different things. And but this gives you something to think about for when when you on with Derek and I. Yeah. Uh-oh. Alfred. <laughs> Alfred. Oh. Alfred around. Because he would be like my second favorite character. I love Alfred. Um, uh, 
I could see Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> I, I could see my Michael Caine could have done all. He could have done the uh, the quad the quadology, and he could yeah. have done sixty six easily. Yeah, but I gotta admit, I loved Gotham. I had loved Gotham, and I loved Sean. Oh, I always say his last name wrong. Sean Petrie. Petrie. He was I the doctor's yeah, 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 yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's probably even beats Michael Caine as my favorite Alfred. I I liked um I wasn't a fan of the show, but I liked the approach they took with him because it was based on the Batman. Yes. Where um Alfred instead of just being a from a long line of butlers yeah. has spent time in British intelligence. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this makes more sense and, yeah. and how. And they tried a little bit of that in the Nolan verse. Yeah. You had a few stories where Alfred and Michael Caine's character was, you know, the rubies, as big as yeah. tangerines and yeah. Okay. <laughs> you do see you, you got me down the hole. <laughs> do you have any other questions for for Kayla? <laughs> Well, then at this point in time, you want to do the wrap up? So uh, take it away. It's your show. Oh, um, since that's it, thank you for watching. Well, hold on. Yeah. Okay, this is where I got to step in and, and this becomes a teaching moment. Where can people find you online? Ask that. Why don't you ask it? I already asked it. So ask it again. <laughs> She's looking for you to ask it. Where can people find you online? So the best way to find me online is to find me on Twitter. My uh, handle would be at on two Mars. That's one word with the letter two um, or the number two, excuse me, uh, underscore Kayla. So O-N-2 M-A-R-S underscore K-A-Y-L-A. Then you can also check out her website, KaylaLaFrance.net. Dot com. Dot com. Sorry. Yes. Dot com. So. Thank you for coming on our show. Oh, thank you for having me. And your dad knows how to get a hold of me. So anytime you have any questions, hit me up. And you have access to our Adventures in Geek Twitter account. So, and she's already on Messenger there. So. Mm -hmm. I can be your little pen pal if you want. Yep. Anytime you want to know anything. You you just got that inside information or that, or not that inside. You just got that approval to ask her (laughs) anytime you want questions. Anything. Cool. I'm there for you. (laughs) So, So thank you for listening to Adventures in Geek. You're telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? <laughs>